Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Listener, this week we don't have a new episode for you, but I am uploading a Patreon-exclusive Black Label. I'm currently in recovery from a bad run-in with COVID and the flu. Don't worry, I should be back on my feet in no time. If you'd like to support the show while I recover, please consider supporting the Patreon. Now, let's get on with it. The maternal instinct of a mother is an all-encompassing level of emotion. To love, nurture, and protect their child is biologically embedded, a bond that could never be broken. That is how it should be, but life is a complex matrix of relationships, emotions, and decision-making, and the human psyche is a powerful fighting force. Of the violent crime committed in America each year, Women account for just 14% of offenders, but when that violence is against their child, that statistic jumps to over 50%. Maternal filicide, the murder of a child by their mother, is a murky understudied arena where those natural instincts are replaced with an entirely different kind of drive. A drive that takes away the very life they previously gave so lovingly. In almost every maternal filicide case, The child killed is under five years old. These children are beaten, drowned, strangled, and smothered under their mother's psychosis, extended abuse, or a simple desire to live a life free of the responsibility of childcare. Under the grim umbrella title of maternal filicide sits a subset of cases that stand alone. These are rare cases where the target of the mother's violence is their adolescent children and their murder weapon is a firearm. The choice of a gun to carry out these acts allows the mother control. Quick method of almost certain death with no physical contact required. 
A gun provides ultimate power for the mother, and for her victims, it evokes the maximum terror. These children had been raised all their lives by gentle and loving mothers, making the sudden switch to ruthless homicide all the more unbelievable and utterly devastating. The brutal reality of these cases is the cold-blooded slaying of innocent young lives by the very person they feared the least. In society, while we live our lives, we fear violence and attack from outside. Those around us that we don't know, those that are not a part of our world, our families are where we feel safe. Often they are who we feel most accepted by and where we can truly be ourselves. Immediate family is who we trust, but sometimes the greatest danger actually comes from within. At 5 p.m. on June 24, 2016, two 911 calls came into the Fort Bend County's dispatch office in Texas. They were calls that overlapped each other answered by different dispatchers, but the audible screams and desperate pleas were unmistakably from the same incident. At the other end of the phone lines, in the city of Katy in Houston, 42-year-old Christy Sheets had called a family meeting in her home. Her husband... 45-year-old Jason Sheets and two daughters, 17-year-old Madison and 22-year-old Taylor, who still lived at home, gathered with Christy in the living room. Once her family was in front of her, Christy Sheets reached behind a cushion on the sofa. She pulled out a 38 caliber revolver. She raised the barrel of her gun to point directly at her two daughters. In a sudden turn of immense rising fear and foreboding, her family pleaded with her to put the gun away. Their screams fell on deaf ears. Christy Sheets had decided on her course of action. Now she was determined to carry those actions out. The Sheets' home was on a quiet suburban street that burst into life that afternoon as Jason and his daughters fled outside. The Sheets' neighbor, who lived opposite, was alerted by gunfire. Hooking out his window... He was unable to believe what he was seeing. Terrified and worried for his own family, he dialed 911 and told the dispatcher what he was witnessing outside his own home. Uh, yes, uh, we need an ambulance uh, right away. That's people, two people believe, uh, believe they're shot. Okay, stay on the line. <laughs> okay, you think they got shot, you say? Yes, yes. Okay. 
There's a lady with a gun. There's a lady there's with a, lady. a gun? Where? Yes. It's coming out of the house right now. Two okay. people shot outside. Okay. Two people shot outside. Okay. Where is the lady with the gun? Uh, coming out of it's on the street right now. Is she still shooting? Uh, no, it's not shooting, but it's the, the gun in, here, in her hand. I ran to the back of my house. Okay. Who Do you know who the lady is? Uh, they're my neighbors. I don't... Okay. And the people that she shot, are, are do you know them? Are like, no, are ma'am. Her? Okay. Are you, with the, are you with the patients right now? No, because the lady okay. with the gun what came out. Wearing? I had to run. Describe her for me. What is she wearing? What is she wearing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. What I had she... to run to the back. Okay, I understand. Uh, what is she me... Can you describe me... her for me? What is she white, black, Hispanic, or Asian? It's, uh, no, she's a... Uh, Caucasian. Okay. Go back uh, okay. What is she wearing? She's wearing a dress. What color dress? Let me, uh, let me, let me try to pick to the window. Sorry. Okay. Okay. No problem. Don't put yourself in danger, though. But do you remember what co- what color her dress was? She's wearing a uh, uh, purple dress. Purple dress. Yes. Okay. She's wearing a purple dress. She, she's on the. Is it long, short? What is she? She. Where are the patients? They're, they're in the street. They're in the middle of the street. But okay. I was long though. It's two people laying in the street? Two people, two ladies laying in the street. Two females? Okay. Yeah, two females. And there's a guy trying to help them. But the okay. lady is on, top, on the top of one of them with a gun on her hand. Okay, but the the sub the the suspect is on top of one of the females on the street. Yeah, she's 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 on the street, just standing up. She's standing over at one of the patients with the gun. Yes, yes. Okay. And uh, they look like both of them are alive. Both of the child person, okay. the lady, they they're both alive, but. Okay. Christy Sheets had chased her family out onto the streets, determined to finish what she had started. Madison had fallen to the ground with a fatal gunshot wound. She died lying on the road, not understanding what was happening at the hands of her mother. Taylor Sheets had managed to run further after already being shot once. When she fell to the ground, her mother dropped down next to her. With the gun still in her hand, she continued to fire. And, you know, she tried to shot again. She's trying to shoot again on the top of her, but okay. apparently she don't have no more. Apparently she don't have any more bullets. Okay, yeah, I, I do too, sir. Just stay on the line. And let me know what you see. But don't. Okay. I don't she's want going. To she's going inside. She's going inside the house now. Uh, hopefully, it's not getting any more bullets because she looks like she's going to look for more bullets. Okay. All right, stay on the line. And there's a. I don't know where the guy went, but apparently she's. She's yelling at her, and okay. they're talking back Who and forth. The, the, describe the guy. The guy is, a, is a also, they're all uh, Caucasians. Okay. Okay, and so the okay. the two females and the male is Caucasian. Yes, all, all four of them. Okay. And is the she, male she's coming She's coming back again. She's coming back again. With a, apparently, she has bullets now on her on her. Okay. 
stay stay on the line. Oh, she's got her again. She's got her she again. She's got her again. Yes, from the back. She's trying to run. She shot. She shot another the female again. That was. Yes, it was laying down on the floor. Okay. She shot her from the back. Okay, stay on the line. She's shooting she, she, again. They're running down the street. Adrian, ¿dónde estás? No, bájate, Adrian. Porque es más arriba, más fácil que se vaya una bule. ¿Por qué te fuiste para allá? Vente para acá. Sir, what do you see? Yes, what is she doing now? There's a kid in here. Lay down on the floor. Okay, sir. Lay down on the floor, Adrian. Yeah, make sure your family is, is secure. Don't 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 let yes. anyone see you looking out the window, okay? Can can anyone see you? <laughs> okay. I can hear her. I don't see them anymore, but there's the bullets. I can I can hear bullets, and she's she's laying down on the floor now. The female that was shooting is laying down. Yes. Did she shoot herself? I don't know. I don't know. I I just see her down on the floor now, but I don't I don't know what happened because I had to run to uh, take okay. my son to safety. Okay. Okay. Did she shoot herself? Apparently she did. You think she shot herself? Apparently she shot herself, yes. Okay. Is she I, don't, I don't see, I don't, she's moving, yes. Okay. You know, it doesn't look like she's moving anymore. Okay. Okay, okay. sir, I'm so sorry you're saying this, okay. but just stay on the line. Okay. 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 Stay on the line, sir. Yes. Okay. What do you see now? Are the two are are the two females still laying in the street? Uh, I can't see them. I have to take my son to safety. Hold on a second, please. Okay. No problem. If you're if you if you have to take your family to safety, then don't worry about going back to the window. Okay. Nosotros estamos bien. Okay, sir. Do you happen to know the names of these people? Do you know your neighbors? Uh, no, I don't know their names or anything. Okay. Okay, preciosa. I'm sorry, preciosa. Pero no te vayas para arriba nunca, okay? Cuando vayas así, algo así. I'm sorry. I had to call my son because I, he's, I he's trying to. I'm, I'm so sorry you had to see that, sir. I'm, I'm so sorry you had to see that. Okay. They're on the way. Just let me know what you see. If you, if you see anything change, let me know. We have multiple deputies. On the way, okay. Okay, uh, she's laying down on on the floor. Is still. she is she still not moving? She's still not moving. Okay. When the revolver chamber had been emptied, Christy returned inside her home, reloaded her gun, and came back to chase her eldest daughter down the street and shoot her in the back. In those few minutes of deadly chaos, Jason Sheets ran desperately from one daughter to the other. Unable to comprehend what was happening or be able to stop it, Christy was not aiming her gun at him. He ran down to the end of the cul-de-sac to try and summon help. As the shooting stopped, Christy Sheets had not taken her own life. With the arrival of law enforcement, a full sheer police officer in attendance to support the Fort Bend County Sheriff's Office at the scene had ordered her to put down her weapon. She had refused, but the police officer fired one shot striking Christy Sheets and causing her to fall to the ground. The multiple shooting was over. Madison and Christy lay dead in the street. Taylor Sheets, gravely wounded but clinging on to life, lay a few meters away from her mother and sister. 
She held on long enough for the emergency paramedics to reach her. She was rushed to the Texas Medical Center, but died soon after arrival. Unable to survive the internal damage of the three gunshot wounds, Jason Sheets stood in a state of deep shock. Christy and Jason had been married for over 20 years. They had grown up just 15 minutes away from each other in Alabama, their young adult lives combining to where they went into adulthood together. Moving to Katy, getting married, and having their children. But in recent years, their marriage was struggling. Life began to fall apart. The death of her grandfather in 2012, followed just months later by the death of her mother, set off a spiral of despair, depression, and self-criticism in Christy. Since 2012, Christy had attempted suicide three times. She had spent multiple periods in psychiatric units, with Ford Bend County responding to her residence 14 times across four years for various incidents. Her mind could not be described as stable. The couple had separated numerous times in those years, only recently getting back together after the most recent separation. On that morning, however, her husband told Christy of his intention to divorce. He had reached the decision their relationship was now at a point where it should end permanently. Christy also got in an argument with her eldest daughter, Taylor, on that day. She wanted to ground Taylor, stop her leaving the house and seeing her fiancé who she was due to marry in two weeks. It was a verbal argument, but a heated one, one where Jason took the side of his daughter. June 24, 2016, was also Jason Sheets' 45th birthday. He had told his wife this would be the last birthday she would ruin. Christy Sheets decided otherwise. She gunned down her two daughters in front of her husband's eyes, purposefully leaving him uninjured. She forced him to watch the massacre of their children. Her objective was to inflict a lifetime of unimaginable pain. For every birthday for the rest of his life, he will never escape the memories of what happened that day. Revenge, he told the police, was his wife's motive. Madison and Taylor Sheets were young women with plans and dreams for their future. Taylor was engaged to be married and planning on moving out of the family home. On July 4, 2016, she should have walked down the aisle in her carefully picked out dress and married her boyfriend, Juan Lugo, of four years. Instead, she was shot, chased, and shot twice again by her mother just two weeks before her wedding. Madison and Taylor were laid to rest in Decatur, Alabama on July 2nd, 2016. We don't know if Christy Sheets intended to take her own life that day or willfully kept a hold of her weapon to push law enforcement to fire the fatal shot. Murder-suicide is the most likely end in these cases. Mothers follow the sad trend of murdering their children and then swiftly taking their own lives. Their objectives achieved. Found by family members or concerned friends, their bodies do not reveal the answers as to why. The pain that floods surviving family members scars them for the remainders of their lives. Most notably, the children's fathers. In 2014, almost 1,000 miles away from the Sheets home city, 51-year-old Richard Berman was a successful luxury home realtor in West Palm Beach in Florida. When he woke on Monday, January 13, 2014, 
he began to prepare for a workday like any other. Recently divorced from his wife, and now no longer living in the family home, he was still finding his feet. When he checked his emails that morning, one jumped out at him. Sent from his ex-wife, he read the words over and over again. Panic, disbelief, and terror began to build within him. As he jumped in his car and drove to his former marital home, he dialed 911. 48-year-old Jennifer Berman had divorced in December 2013, just one month previously. Their marriage crumbling, they had agreed on joint custody of their two children, 16-year-old Alexander and 15-year-old Jacqueline. The children were wonderfully talented musicians, both attending the prestigious Dreyfus School of Arts in West Palm Beach, afforded due to their talents and father's successful income. Throughout the fall of 2013, the relationship between their parents had failed beyond repair. Jennifer Berman had filed for divorce the previous year, but the couple had remained living together in the West Palm home. It was a house previously owned by Jennifer's mother, but it was in foreclosure. Richard was an architect, general contractor, and licensed realtor, building his business and reputation in the area for years. He had built a home in the exclusive and historic El Cid area of West Palm Beach, selling it in 2010 for $1.2 million. But there was trouble waiting for him around the corner. Now known as the U.S. housing bubble, house prices rocked in early 2006, before falling year after year and hitting an all-time low by 2012. This bubble bursting affected Richard Berman's real estate company, turning the family income upside down and threatened the security they had built up. The current home had just been sold for $590,000, and Jennifer was renting the property to live in with the children till she moved into a new condo in February 2014. It was a move her or the couple's teenage children would not see. Jennifer Berman told her ex-husband in that email that she intended on murdering their children before taking her own life. She said she was doing the best for her family, Soon after Richard arrived at the house that morning, a neighbor, Kristen Plimmel, joined him outside learning of the concern he had for his family. Kristen entered the house hoping to check on the family and reassure a nervous Richard, who was too frightened to enter, scared of what he might find. 
Okay, is she home? Does she have a car there? The, car, the, car, the car's in the driveway. Does she have any weapons in that house? Possibly. What do you mean? Do you know of any weapons? I, I remember there were. What time? I'm sorry, I'm here with the neighbor. Okay, but I need this information from you. What kind of what kind of weapons have you seen in the house? Well, I remember she had her dad's old rifles. And this is her house? I, yeah. Well, we just sold it recently, and she's been renting it. I'm I'm in the driveway, and my neighbor just went in to to to, look, to see what's going on. How old yeah. are the kids? I don't know. She's uh, 15 and 16. There's what? What's going on? Oh, jeez. I'm on with 911. What's going on, sir? There's, there's, uh, it's up to you, Steve. Sir, sir. What's going on? My neighbor went in, and there's blood up on the wall in, 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 in near her bedroom. Are the kids okay? I don't know. The 911 operator begged Richard not to go into the house. She had heard the neighbor's report of what she had seen. She knew no father should have to see what had most likely occurred within those walls. But Richard was unable to stop himself. He had to find out what happened. Oh, oh, What's going on, sir? Well, he's, he's not moving and he has Who's not moving? His blood on his ear. This my is son. My son? Oh, Christ. It's my said, son. His... Oh, this can't be real. Yeah, get, somebody give me medics. We got, we're getting, we have police and paramedics on the way, sir. Our car's there. I'm afraid to go upstairs. Don't, you need, you need to stay outside. The officers want you to stay outside, sir. We need we need your neighbor outside too. We need everybody outside. I can't talk right now. I I know I know I know. I need you to be calm. Though. Did she say anything else? Did she say? Did she see your daughter? She said they're both upstairs in my in in. in she thinks they are. She thinks they are what? Upstairs in the bed. Yeah yeah. I'm sorry. That that's okay. Do you ever scream your opinions into the abyss, hoping I can somehow hear you? Well. Now I can. I'm going live on the Stereo app, where you can ask me your questions directly on the app. Stereo app has thousands of live social conversations, with a wide range of genres for every interest, including news, comedy, sports, and more. You choose whether to be a co-host, participate as a guest, or simply listen in on exclusive conversations. Join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over on the Stereo app. That's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over on the Stereo app. Download the Stereo app and follow us at Stereo.com slash ObscuraCrimePod. Link in the description. I love Stereo. I'm on the app talking all the time. Follow me and get notified every time I go live. Listener, this year, we're all looking forward to a fresh start. A great way to start fresh is with some self-care and fresh scents from Native. Native aluminum-free deodorant is a great addition to your 2021 routine. Native cares about what you put on your armpits. 
That's why their deodorant's ingredients list includes things you've actually heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter. Another plus? None of their products are tested on animals, and almost everything is vegan. Switching to Native from an antiperspirant doesn't mean you'll have to worry about that midday BO either. Native will have you walking around smelling like coconut and vanilla, citrus and herbal musk, or maybe even lavender and rose. You can choose from over 10 cents, including their classics and rotating seasonals, so you're guaranteed to find one you love. Native Deodorant has over 16,000 five-star reviews and has been featured in the Today Show for a reason. It works. Make the switch to Native today by going to nativedo.com slash obscura or use promo code obscura at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com slash obscura or use promo code obscura at checkout for 20% off your first order. Alexander Berman was lying on the bed in the downstairs bedroom, curled in a fetal position and wearing just pajama bottoms, hit a gunshot wound to the back of his head, a fatal shot that gave him no chance of survival. Upstairs, blood on the outside of the bedroom door indicated what lay behind. On the bed was Jacqueline Berman. Like her brother, she was in a fetal position with a visible gunshot wound to the left side of her head. Next to her lay her mother, Jennifer Berman, her face no longer recognizable after she pointed the Winchester Model 94 rifle at her head and pulled the trigger. The gun lay still pointing towards her head across her chest and in between her legs. Jennifer Berman had shot both her teenage children before shooting herself. Downstairs on the kitchen counter, she left a suicide note. The full contents have never been published except for one line. She had written, I am so sorry to those that are hurting because they loved us. Jennifer was struggling to cope with the breakdown of her marriage and the uncertain future she was facing. There were court documents filed in the previous months claiming her husband was not paying bills in the home or providing for their daughters. She had sold a number of her father's possessions in order to obtain the money she needed day to day. The couple had reached an argument on the finalization of their divorce that Richard would pay $600 a month in child support and maintain the children's health care plans. Jennifer was anxious about her future, worried about her income and trying to provide for her children on her own. The psychological stress she was under is the only motive anyone is able to suggest for her actions that day. Richard Berman, a father of two precious children, was left to try to deal with their senseless deaths. I miss him like crazy. I mean, I do. That's the hard part. If he seems stoic, it's because Berman moves through his days on autopilot. Last month, he drove frantically to his ex-wife's home to find his children shot to death by their mother, who then killed herself. He won't allow himself to think about the horror of finding his children. Yeah, I block it. I have to just try not to think about it. He distracts himself with friends, with anything to stop his mind from going there, especially at night. Just get up. Otherwise, you lay there thinking about things too much. Berman tells me his ex-wife was stressed out about money and their divorce, but that she was a good mother, and he had no idea she would kill their children. I don't want to try to understand that. It doesn't make any sense. 
He won't say if he has regrets, if he feels anger or guilt for not recognizing his wife's symptoms. I just can't. I want to think about the positive things going forward and not really reflect back on uh, the stuff that happened in the past in a negative way. If that's okay. Sometimes he talks to Jackie and Alex. Now that they're there looking out for each other. But here, getting through each quarter of an hour is an achievement. It's hard. Jennifer Berman pulled the trigger with her own hand to end her life. Christy Sheets died by the bullet of law enforcement. With the death of these mothers, the reasons for killing their children, why they felt the need to take their lives alongside their own, disappeared. There are some cases, however, where a mother kills her children and lives. Mothers who then find themselves facing the consequences of their extreme actions. Why did you want to shoot her in the mouth? Because it angers me so much. Her mouth angers you? Yeah. Well, what happened after that? Um, How did she end up in her bed? Oh, I carried her. You carried her over there? Yeah. Okay. You didn't want to leave her up at the computer where she was at after that happened? No. No? You took her and put her in the bed? Did you cover her? Yes. Okay. And right. next time, too. Okay, what happened with what happened with Bo? What how how did that all happen? He's copying what Calix does. Oh, so he's starting to act up and talk back too? He talks Okay. Sassy. Okay. And so I hit her in the back of the head. Where was he at when he when you when In the that? car. I I took him in the car. I was expecting to get him in the car. Okay. He saw the gun. Or did that happen to Bo first? Bo first. Bo first? Bo was in the car with you? Yeah. Okay. And what, Bo was, Bo was smart knock to you? Yeah. And then what, where did, did you shoot Bo? Yeah. With that thirty-eight? In the side of the head. Okay. And then, and then I did his mouth too. Oh, you shot him twice in the head? Yeah. Okay. Because they're too sassy. Okay. So, so then after head. after that happened with Bo, is that when you went in and 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 did that with uh, Calix? Mm -hmm. Calix didn't hear the shot. Oh, we were outside in the van. Okay. Forty-eight-year-old Julie Schenecker's voice is heavy and her words slurred as she tells police detectives how she killed her children the previous night. 16-year-old Calix and 13-year-old Bo had both been shot twice in the head by their mother inside their home in Tampa Palms, Florida. After taking the lives of her children, Julia had taken an overdose of medication intending to kill herself. An attempt at taking her own life and dying alongside her children, which failed. Do you know where they're at right now? Yeah. Tell me where. Goes in the van on the right side. Okay, and where is your daughter? In the bedroom. Where at? On the bed. Do you know what kind of condition they're in? Uh, they're a mess. They're a mess? Yeah. Are they alive or dead? I don't know. What do you think? I hope so. You hope what? I hope they're dead. You hope they're dead? 
their debt. Now, what happened that you weren't able, you said that this was going to be a suicide for you. What happened that you weren't able to do it? I went outside to smoke. Okay. And I was going to do it. Okay. I'm in bed. Right. But they were still gurgling and making noises. Really? They were still making, you could hear them making noises? Yeah. Were they they're just gurgling though? They weren't calling out or anything? I don't, I don't think so. You just heard noises though? What yeah. kind of noises? Um, gunshot. No? It, it was loud. What kind of noises were they making? Um, shrinking, getting cold. They were getting cold? Mm-hmm. See, you were in there touching them and... Apologizing to them. What were you apologizing for? My behavior. Tell me what behavior. You wrote it in a notebook? This is a case that was reported on widely. The outside world perplexed and horrified at Julie Schenecker's statements during her police interviews. Her own words that her children were mouthy and too sassy, and these seemingly being her motive for why she took their lives. On Friday, January 28, 2011, Officers from the Tampa Police Department in Florida attended the home of Parker and Julie Schenecker's to carry out a welfare check. Parker Schenecker was in the United States Army and was away on deployment in Afghanistan. Julie's mother had received a rambling email from her daughter the night before and was concerned she now couldn't make contact with her. When officers arrived at the home, Julie was found lying on the back porch of the house, dazed unsteady on her feet and confused. She was wearing a white bathrobe spattered with blood. Dried blood stains were visible on her hands. Tampa police officers began to search the house for Calix and Bo. Calix Schenecker was found upstairs in her bedroom. She was lying on her bed with a blanket placed over her. Bo Schenecker was slumped in the passenger seat of the family's white Honda Odyssey SUV parked in the garage. He too had a blanket over him. Both children suffered gunshot wounds to their heads and faces from a weapon fired at very close range. The Schenekers were a military family. Parker Schenecker had been in the Army for 27 years, rising to the rank of Colonel. His military role meant frequent trips overseas, ranging from a few days to a few weeks at a time. Julie Schenecker had served 10 years as an Army intelligence officer. She was a Russian-language linguist, interviewing and debriefing defectors from the Soviet Union. Julie had left the military in around 2001 to focus on raising their two children. After celebrating Julie's 50th birthday on January 13, 2011, the family prepared for Parker's latest trip overseas. Traveling to Afghanistan on January 19th, Parker left his children in Julie's care as he always did when he was away. His return date was set and written on the family calendar. February 1st. Like Christie Sheets, Julie Schenecker had a history of mental health issues. 
Julie had received diagnoses of bipolar disorder as early as 2001. She was regularly seeing a psychiatrist and being treated for depression, problems with substance abuse, alcohol, and for her bipolar disorder. Parker knew his wife was struggling and that there was increasing tension between his wife and his daughter. He had talked with them both, arranged counseling for his daughter. At the time of her death, he was applying to and visiting different boarding schools as options for Calix to attend, giving Calix some more independence and space between mother and daughter would help their relationship move forward. In November 2010, Julie had been involved in a motor incident while under the influence of alcohol and prescription medication. She entered inpatient rehabilitation for three weeks, returned home in early December. She was listless and unmotivated upon her return. Her low energy level saw her spend long periods in bed. Parker Schenecker often asked his mother, Nancy, to come from her home in New Orleans, Louisiana, to stay at their home and help Julie while he was away for work. This trip was no different, but Julie assured him she was okay. I got this, she told him. Although he knew his wife had problems, he never feared for his children's safety and could have no way of knowing what would happen just a few days after he left. Before and after murdering her children, Julie Schenecker had kept a journal. A simple spiral notepad, A4 in size with a blue cover where she scribbled down her plans. She wrote about her frustrations with her teenage daughter talking back to her. How her son was beginning to copy Calix, leaving Julie feeling disrespected and upset. There is no doubt Julie Schenecker suffered from mental illness, or that she was in a period of psychological distress and distorted thoughts at the time she carried out these murders. Yet among this haze, she had planned for killing her children. Three days after Parker had deployed on assignment, Julie had driven to a lock and load store in Oldsmar, a 40-minute drive from her home, to purchase a firearm. She told the store clerk she wanted the weapon for protection from home invasions that were taking place in her area. She was calm, coherent, and entirely believable with nothing about her behavior that would raise any alarm. After waiting the three days for the background checks to complete, she went to pick up the firearm on January 27th. The very same day, Calix and Bo were shot and killed. Her journal entries were updated within hours of taking the lives of her children. The family calendar, hanging above a wine rack in the kitchen, had additions made. In the small square for February 1st, when her husband was due home, she had written that Bo was in the van and Calix was in her bed. A post-it note was left stuck to the bottom step of the stairwell inside the house. Donate my body to science, it read. Julie also sent an email to her husband after she had murdered his children. In it, she wrote, Get home soon. We are waiting for you. Julie Schenecker had every intention of taking her own life that night. She wanted her husband to come home, thinking everything was fine, to go through the front doors of his home, and one by one, find his two teenage children and his wife dead. A grand jury indicted Julie Schenecker on February 9, 2011, on two charges of first-degree murder. It took a further three years for her case to come to trial. When it did on April 28, 2014, 
Julie pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Parker Schenecker divorced his wife in May 2011. At a conference talk in the years after their murders, he spoke about the devastation and tragedy of the loss of his children. So when sitting at my desk in the country of Gutter after just coming back from a quick deployment to Afghanistan, when two uniformed service members were at my door sitting in front of my desk, a colonel and an Air Force captain in battle dress uniforms, combat boots, dirt, sweat, I thought they were teammates there ready to talk about tomorrow's mission. But in that split second, before that colonel started talking, I put two and two together. And I thought, oh my God, something's happened to my mom in Louisiana. Well, I was wrong. So there I was, 8,000 miles away, having just been told that my children were dead at the hands of their mother. And me, the tough guy, the guy in combat uniform could do nothing about it. But what I did do is I spent the next 17 hours flying back to Tampa, trying to piece together what this all meant, wondering how I was going to live life without my calyx and my bow. I knew that the focus needed to be on calyx and bow, not on anybody else. This tragedy was unthinkable, unimaginable, and it was not supposed to happen. Not to me. At Julie Schenecker's trial, a line of psychiatrists testified. Both experts for the defense and the prosecution all agreed Julie had a mental illness and was in psychological distress during the time of the murders. Where they differed was whether she knew right from wrong at the time she killed her children. The key component of a successful insanity defense. On the first day of prosecution evidence... The crime scene technician who photographed Julie's journal read aloud some entries from those pages. I just am losing my mind. I did all of my duties, then went to buy a gun. I was planning on a Saturday massacre, but had to wait on the background investigate for three days. I'll go back to P slash U, the Smith and Wesson 38 on Thursday. I was hoping it would be tonight. Dot, dot, dot. I can't stand it waiting for five days. There's exclamation, exclamation. Calix, comma, she gets it first. Don't know whether I'll first turn on the light and print these to blind or just uh, react to halves me in her bedroom. I'm nervous. Calix was so shitty yesterday when she said, and in quotations, wear makeup and dress up tomorrow for the mandatory meeting. She called me pathetic on, and it has Sunday scratched out, Saturday, she called me an evil soul. In parentheses, the evil starts Thursday, in parentheses. I've offed Bo on the way to practice. He saw the gun and told me to put it back in the purse. He had a healthy fight. I accidentally shot the window, the shot him, one extra, shot through the side of the head. Then we got home, 
a shot to his mouth. Um, I don't know what that word, next word is. Because he became so mouthy, just like Calix. Drove the van into the garage in parentheses, telling everyone we're going to NYC, close parentheses. They'll wonder where the van is. Off the bow in the van, going to practice, dash, thought he'd be tying his shoes, but he caught me with the gun. Quotations, said he'd hit me if I didn't put it in my purse. He was yelling at me. First shot hit the windshield. Second shot was the side of the head. Next shot was to the mouth, his mouthy mouth. I would like to overdose and not use the gun. I've seen how much destruction it causes, and I probably won't get two shots off. This combined evidence while highlighting the fragile, confused, and distorted frame of mind Julie Schenecker was in also spoke to planning, premeditation, and the murders in some part being an act of revenge on her husband. The jury struggled to reconcile these various behaviors and actions with a state of mind not fully aware of what she was doing and not understanding right from wrong. Julie Schenecker was found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder after the prosecution dropped their quest for the death penalty due to her history of mental illness. She was sentenced on May 15, 2014 to two life sentences to run concurrently without the possibility of parole. What these mothers did cannot be excused. The actions they took were callous and inherently selfish. Their children were innocents with no choice in their mother's distorted thinking and resulting actions. Their motives were complicated. The states of mind these women were in were tangled, convoluted, and unfathomable. Mothers who felt brutal cold murder of their children was their only option to relieve their inner pain or achieve the goals that they sought. These cases have a desperate sadness and define the meaning of tragedy. Six young adults had their lives taken, snatched from them in outbursts of unexpected violence. Their personalities, hopes, and dreams had formed and the foundations of their future lives were already building. Their mothers were not abusive, uncaring, and neglectful in their younger childhood years. Yet the most significant danger to these children was not out there in the outside world a place they'd been warned so much about. It was inside their home, inside their family unit. It was from their own mother. Stereo is the app for live social conversations. We want to talk directly with you, our listeners. You can join our show, ask questions about true crime, and share your experiences and opinions. We want to hear everything. Download now and join us live this week. Link to our show in the description. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.